0: Press play, the Real Resilience Podcast, dedicated to all things real to real. Hello and welcome to the Real Resilience Podcast. My name's Ian Betson, and in this episode zero, the first one of our hopefully many more podcasts to come, I want to start afresh, rewind, so to speak, and tell you more about real resilience what it is, what it does, what it can do for you if you're a real to reel enthusiast, whether you're an owner of many machines, a collector perhaps, or a, a studio using them to record new material or for archive transfer, or someone who just wants to look forward to pressing play on their first machine. So first off, a bit about me, and this will lead on to my take on why Real to reel has made such a comeback. As I said, my name's Ian Betson, and I started uh, in my journey in professional audio on the 18th of January, 1988. Uh, That was the date that I joined the BBC in the UK uh, as a trainee studio engineer in radio. And I started at the BBC's Training College in Worcestershire. And I was trained for two and a half years or so on all aspects of uh, professional audio in the BBC. So that was studios, that was uh, recording processes, that was training transmission, and also, because I used a lot of them, tape machines. I looked after many of the machines that they used in their new studios and at the uh, various recording venues they had. Most of them were Studer machines, uh, Studer A80s, A807s, A810s. Uh, In the offices, they had quite a lot of Revox machines, mainly PR99s. Uh, They also had some B67s as well, Studer B67s. I did a spell at the world famous Maida Vale Studios there where I got exposure to uh, the Studio A824 track machine and uh, lots more A80s as well. and. Then I moved to their news department where they didn't use Studer's. Um, They liked the Telefunken, the Telefunken M15A machine, mainly because, and although I'm still a Studer fan, uh, the Telefunken at the time had much better edit capabilities, the way it could spool the tape backwards and forwards. Uh, News liked it because it's a lot of bang, 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 cutting news pieces for broadcast, and the Telefunken M15A was just the machine to do that. Uh, I then moved to local radio. The BBC has a chain of about 30-some-odd, 30 37 local radio stations dotted up and down the UK. I went to Radio Cambridge here, and I was a station engineer there for five years. Uh, local radio in the BBC doesn't have the range of equipment that uh, the national radio services do in London. Uh, but we had a range of uh, Studio B67s and PR99s from Revox, And then towards the end of my spell there, we were refitted with a lot of uh, Studer A807s. So that will bring you up until about the mid-1990s and I decided to uh, have a change in the industry and I left the BBC and I went to work on various other uh, areas of professional audio, mainly in project management, in studio installations and also working in the commercial sector. But one thing I didn't do in that time after I left the BBC was anything to do with Open Reel, with uh, reel-to-reel tape machines. Because quite honestly, by the mid-90s, Open Reel was on its way out. No one wanted to know about the machines. I would, and I hold my hands up to this, and it's something that I really regret. I actually had a whole range of the Orange Stooner maintenance manuals. I had the B67 Mark I, the Mark II, the A80, and the A807. And guess what? I threw them all away. No one wanted that kind of stuff. Um, I nearly threw away uh, a lot of the tools I had as well, because, again, they were just sitting in my cupboard unused. But I hung on to those because typical engineer, typical techie type, you think, well, I never know when that will come in useful. So I did hang on to those. And that was it. For about 10 years, 10, 12 years, uh, we're into sort of like the uh, early 2000s by now, I didn't touch tape machines at all. And then, out of the blue, I started to get inquiries for uh, tape machines, people saying, you used to work with these things, Uh, can you fix my machine? And I started to uh, tinker around and think, yeah, that's something I can do, I quite enjoy this, quite like the, the tactile approach of pressing play, seeing all the mechanics moving in, and hearing audio, which is my real first love, coming out of a pair of speakers from a piece of tape. So, Gradually, over the last 10 years or so, yeah, since about 2010, I've been building up my business in uh, open reel maintenance because I'm finding there's more and more inquiries from it. I think what's probably driven it is the vinyl resurgence, and as a result of that, bands who were requesting vinyl or analog sessions, I should say, in the recording studios, as a result, I was getting recording studios who had this dusty old multi-track, probably shoved in the back of the studio with a dust sheet if it was lucky, left over it, hauling the thing out. And the analogy I use, it's a bit like a vintage car. You know, you've got this beautiful vintage car and it sat in the garage for 10, 15 years unused. Perhaps got a sheet on it, perhaps not. And you think, hey, I like my vintage car now. Let's all come back in. I'm going to take it out for a spin. And you're really expecting that thing to fire up first time and you drive it straight the way down the road, uh, enjoying yourself, perhaps with the roof down. Well, it ain't going to do that. It needs a lot of work to get it back on the road, even if it's sat there doing nothing. You know, you've got oil, you've got lubrication, you've got petrol, you've got air to put in the tyres. And it's exactly the same thing with these multi-track tape machines. You can't just press play, you can't just press record and expect the machine to burst back into life as it did perhaps 20 years ago. These things are electromechanical devices. They need the lubrication to keep the, me- uh, the metal parts apart from each other. They need lining up. One of the jobs that I regularly used to do in my uh, BBC days when I worked at Broadcasting House and made Vale, was a thing that we called routine tape maintenance. Literally, on night shifts, we would go around and have to take a studio, and in that studio perhaps would be four Studio A80 machines. We'd have to line them up to tweak them to make sure that they replayed OK, to make sure they recorded OK and most importantly make sure that they looked after uh, the tape that they weren't running slow they weren't running fast or they just reduced the tape perhaps to a bootlace if one wheel rent in one direction and one went in the other because there was a fault on them so I'm getting these studios ring uh, ring me up to say, Ian, uh, we hear you know about tape machines. Could you come along and look at ours? And also, finding the recording industry has, of course, discovered the value in the archive. All those old tapes they've got of uh, artists who, who perhaps come back into popularity, re-release of uh, various recording sessions from bygone times. They need the machines to replay those, and of course, they need the the machine perhaps that it was recorded on, perhaps wasn't in tipped-on condition. And then, I mean, everybody, uh, as an aside, loves the sound of, you know, the Motown sound. Well, a lot of that Motown sound was created by saturating tape, that crunchy drum sound that uh, everybody loves uh, from the 60s Motown sound. was recorded, frankly, by overdriving the tape and saturating it. Well, you've got to have tape machines that perhaps were perhaps not running perfectly to speed when it was recorded. So therefore, when you play it back, you need to have your various speed on your machine. Perhaps you had some with crazy track layouts. You know, we hear about two-track machines and mono machines and multi-track machines. Sometimes tapes are recorded on esoteric machines, like, you know, 16 tracks over two-inch tape and things like that. So you've got to have the tape machine to replay those master tapes. So I was getting inquiries for those. Definitely, in that case, the uh, archive studios weren't interested in recording, but of course the machine had to look after that very valuable master tape and had to play it back to the best of its ability. So I'm getting um, uh, interest there. Spool on a little bit further, and the rise of vinyl is then moving over into the consumer market where people love the analogue sound. And of course, they're starting to discover two-track open-reel machines. Whether that's the full-blown professional machines, which by now many of them have been pushed out into the uh, second-hand marketplace because the studios didn't want them, or perhaps some of the uh, consumer-based machines from the 1950s, 60s or 70s, be it valve or early transistor. I'm getting inquiries there. And I then noticed from about 2012 it almost went vertical in the number of inquiries I had, be it from private collectors, be it from studios, be it from people who are just interested, or the classic ones I've got this tape machine, or we found this tape in the loft. Uh, It's of the kids, it's of the grandkids from about 20 years ago. We'd like to play it and hear what's on the tape. And then I really. Get, get a lot of inquiries through uh, to look after these machines, fix them, maintain them, line them up, and so I already had my own company called AV Resilience, which was doing professional audio, project management, studio installations, and other professional audio services to the recording and the broadcast markets here in the UK and indeed internationally. I spent quite a lot of time uh, abroad. I spent nearly a year in Norway building a, a TV and radio station. I've worked in India and I and I worked in Spain building radio and television stations but AV resilience is doing very well but really when people want to get tape machines and want they get their tape machines fixed, a little bit of confusion. Ian, what are you actually doing? Do you installing studios? Are you maintaining your mixes? Or are you actually going to be fixing my tape machine? So, as a result, I uh, did a play on name. We've got avresilience.co.uk, which is the website that I use for my business. I have created realresilience.co.uk. And more a little bit about uh, that later uh, when I come on to uh, talk about the website. Uh, And Real Resilience was born, uh, an idea really born last year. It's coming to fruition in the last uh, few months. Um, And it is dedicated to the service supply and indeed sales, because I do now get a lot of inquiries from people to say, uh, can you get me a tape machine? Or indeed, I found this tape machine in the loft. You know, we don't need it for playing the kids tape anymore. Could you, uh, are you interested in buying it? Or do you know anybody that will be interested? Again, I don't want to come over as a sort of repository for tape machines and I'll buy any old machine and just rescue them all. I can't do that. We've only got so much money in this world. All of us have. And we've only got so much space. But I can perhaps hook people up and go, I know where such and such machine is for sale. Don't know what its condition is. But perhaps you, Mr. Purchaser or Miss Purchaser, might be interested in buying it. So that is the essence of real resilience to service, to maintain, to repair, and to buy and sell real to reel tape machines. Uh, I don't actually confine myself purely to real to reel but I do confi- uh, confine myself to analog tape. So you might find me working on cassette decks. Studer uh, did a great range of cassette decks, and of course, we've got the well-known Nakamichi's as well. So basically, if it's tape, I'll work on it, but I don't get involved in uh, the digital audio stuff so I don't really get involved in DAT much as I've got, uh, I like the format and I've got a, a few machines, but I'm confining myself to the analog side. That's not to say that I didn't work on uh, digital tape machines, open real tape machines in my days in the BBC. I, I remember the, the corporation used to use the Sony PCM3324 uh, dash format from Sony and also the Mitsubishi X86 uh, tape machine, which uh, was a uh, digital audio stationary head model. Um, Not of the same format as uh, the the Dash from Sony, but still an open reel digital tape machine. Never got to work on uh, Studer's uh, range of digital machines. Um, By then, I think they introduced that in about the mid-1990s. Tape was pretty much on the way out from 1992, and a lot of the major purchasers were just not making investments in Take machines anymore, preferring to move to digital. So Real Resilience, tell you a little bit about that. As I said, it was split off from AV Resilience. It has its own website. You can find it at realresilience.co.uk. Obviously, the domain uh, the extension gives it away. I'm based here in uh, the United Kingdom still. Real Resilience, by the way, R E E L R E S i-l-i-e-n-c-e that's R E E L R E S I L I E N C E dot uk. so that's where you'll find the web presence um got a facebook page too you can go to facebook and uh, uh dig around and find real resilience again just look for it on the facebook pages and you'll find um Some entries there. I'm not tweeting at the moment. I don't find uh, there's too much demand for it, though I will probably be using some of the other more visual based uh, social media as time goes by. On the website, there is uh, the opportunity to sign up for a newsletter. I have put a newsletter out in the past uh, and I had a dedicated uh, following on that newsletter. However, um, last year here in Europe, if you're listening outside of Europe, uh, we had a thing called GDPR, uh, General Data Protection uh, Record, I think it is, Uh, which has basically meant that we couldn't just get someone's email address off their website and just send them some information and go, hi, a little bit about me. We had to have uh, proper sign-ins. We had to have proper opt-ins to our mailing list. As a result, my newsletter record, I sent out all to my list prior to all the regulations coming in saying, hi, do you still want my newsletter? And I probably got about 25% back uh, to say, yeah, I would still like to keep your newsletter. That's not to say the other 75% weren't interested. Perhaps they just missed the uh, the emails in their inbox or whatever and never responded. But to comply with the law, I could only go with those 25% that I originally had on my uh, mailing list. So as a result, that list has been massively cut down. And quite honestly, with the increase in the tape machine business I have, I haven't, hands up, put the attention to the newsletter that it deserves. But what I'm hoping, allied with this uh, podcast... I'm going to reactivate the newsletter. As I said, on the website, you can uh, sign up for it, enter your email address, uh, you can opt in, and uh, I'll add you to the mailing list. And it will be a combination of handy tips, basically what it is already it's not a great long newsletter but handy tips stuff i'm working on and uh, just various aspects of uh, open real ownership and the operation of uh, of the way reel-to-reel recorders do their stuff so yep that's the newsletter You can contact me. I still use the AV Resilience email address just to keep things simple so I don't get too many inboxes uh, and and miss your emails. So if you need to get hold of me or uh, want to pick my brains because... Quite honestly, I'm happy to give information out about Open Real Machines. I mean, to good example of that on the website, if you go to the download section and put your email in there, there is some documents, and I'm adding to them uh, as and when I can. But some documents, all PDFs to download, about aspects of Open Real uh, Machines. So you've got things such as wh- how can I tell if I've got headwear on my on the heads on my machine and whether my heads are okay or shot. I've got a document on there about audio levels. There is a a lot of talk on the on the various forums about uh, you know DBs flux levels VUs. I've got a document on there about that, and I'm just in the process of writing one about what to look for uh, in buying your first reel to reel. So you can go onto the website and put your email address in into the download section and get a- access to that. If you want to contact me personally, though, uh, you can email me. Uh, use the AV Resilience email address, and that is info at avresilience.co.uk. So that's info at dot uk. So that's all one word, avresilience.co.uk. So use that email address to get in contact with me. And I do reply. I can't say I'm like a a live chat line. I don't respond instantly. I'm afraid, you know, we're all busy in this world. But I would do uh, do my best to get in touch with you within a reasonable period of time, perhaps a couple of days, and respond to your inquiry. So... What I hope to do over the next few episodes of this uh, podcast is talk, as I said, about all aspects of open real ownership. Why people like open real? I've touched on why my point, uh, my, my view as to why open real has, has come back. We're going to talk about the technical sides of open real. A question: You know, what is bias? What is AC bias? Why is it different to BC, DC bias? Why do we have bias? Um, balanced audio. I've got a professional machine uh, with balanced outputs. Can I plug it into my RCA coax inputs on my amplifier? I, can I drive my, that amplifier to record uh, material onto onto tape, onto my professional machine, and what level should I be looking at? We're going to cover all of those things. Tensions on tape machines, the differences between domestic and professional machines and different manufacturers. Uh, I've touched, of course, on Studio and Revox machines I know well and still love, but I've also, in my time, worked on machines uh, from Ewer. Most of the 4000 uh, report series the BBC used for its reporters I've worked on those Lyrec, Fred and Frieda they were a uh, a Danish machine manufacturer if I remember that uh, I think Fred stood for free edit Uh, they were used by journalists in the field aforementioned Telefunken's and recently with the upturn of uh, private clients and studios requesting my services, um, I've worked on Atari machines, further student machines, the A820s and the A820 Multitrack and also MCI, I had the uh, privilege to work on an MCI machine, a JH24 machine that had been owned by a major name in the recording industry, you know his name I'm not going to dish the name out just yet uh, but my client bought the machine and that now uh, forms part of his studio complex, so I've had access to those other multi-track machines so that is about it that's really the end of episode zero of press play podcast i hope you enjoyed it as i said please drop me a line sign up on the website uh, www.realresilience.co.uk to get those documents you can drop me a line at the uh, the email address as i said info at avresilience.co.uk and i hope to uh, have your company in future editions of the press play Real Resilience Podcast dedicated to all things real to real tape recorders and tape